Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Morning, Bethel Atlanta, and I hope you enjoyed worship as much as I did. It's just a, really a privilege to be here. There, there are 15 people who are working behind the scenes and either leading worship, playing, tech guys, and uh, they're really um, creating a, almost a platform or a feast for us to enjoy. And so I, I just felt the presence of God in worship I wish you were here with me. I'm sure it translated through the camera, but uh, it was special, and I want you to thank them anytime you can. And I hope you enjoyed my wife Lindy speaking last week. She doesn't speak that often, and I just enjoyed her. I'm calling her the dream weaver as she just dreams, weaves the dreams that are coming through her heart and uh, with scripture in her life, and uh, she looked I told her she looked good on camera. I'm going to kiss you on the mouth, baby. So that uh, was exciting. So the ne- this message, don't have a lot of time. We're trying to condense time because it's uh, a little tougher to just keep attention when people are not live. But um, this is called Build for Generations or Father's Day Part 2. And I want to talk about Abraham and many of you know the story. Some of you didn't grow up in church like me. I, I was really unchurched, spent very little time my first 17 years of life. So my Bible knowledge wasn't great. So I'll, uh, if you're like I was, I'll give you some of the highlights of the story of Abram as we go along. But he's the father of nations. And Abram had a name change. And if you write it out, I, I, what's happened is, We took Abram, which means exalted father, and God changed his name and added an H-A to make him Abraham. And some of the commentators talk about the the H-A, the ha, like the ha, the breath of God. Can you imagine if God adds a breath to your name and his destiny catapulted into being the father of of the multitude of nations. Exalted Father was a pretty good name, but the father of a multitude of nations is quite a name. Names mean things. What's in a name? A lot. Words mean things, and names are important. Uh, One of the great influences of my life was uh, the general manager of uh, Northwestern Mutual here in Atlanta, a man named William O. Goodwin. And I think about his name, Goodwin. It's a combination of two words. Both of them are good. But what if he was, his name had been not Goodwin, but Bad Loss? I wonder if he'd have been the same guy. If he'd been Billy Bad Loss, what would have, would it have been different? And uh, I grew up uh, with a name like Hale. I didn't know Hale was two syllables till I moved to the South. Hale. And I said, Hale. No, Hale. So when in Rome, do as the Romans do. But I could have been, uh, my dad was Marvin Luther Jr. I was thinking about it this morning. I could have been Marvin Luther the fourth, third. And uh, my son Stevie could have been Marvin Luther the fourth. I, I don't know what they were thinking there. It was like going for Martin Luther and kind of missed it. But um, my dad didn't like that name. 
He changed it to Robert. He went by Bob his whole name, whole life. And so names are important. Names mean things. And so why did, why did God choose Abraham? And a friend of mine, ours, John Crawford, John, excuse me, John Donaldson reminded me in Genesis 18, 19, he said he chose Abraham because he wanted Abraham to command his children into the way of the Lord. And I thought, man, command, that's a pretty strong word. And so I started looking at different verses. And NIV says train, but NESB is command. And King James is command. New King James is command, amplified, command. It's like, boy, that's a strong word. But we should adjust. If, if that bothers you, I, you know, we should adjust to God's way and the word of God, not have us water it down. And so he's training us. He's, he took Abraham and said, I'm going to command you because you're going to command your children into the ways of the Lord. And that was one of the prerequisites for him becoming a father of many nations. And Abraham was um, also, he uh, was a part of a covenant. And uh, if you turn to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1. Let's go to Genesis 12 together, verse 1 through 3. I want to read this. And this is the covenant that God made with Abraham. He said, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. He's saying it twice. It's so great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. There are three things in that, in that covenant. There's land. I'm going to give you land. There's people. I'm going to give you a people. And thirdly, he said, I'm going to bless the nations of the earth, all the people through you. And, there, and God said uh, he made it a unilateral covenant. It was a one-way street. You know, if God said, this is important, I'm not going to make it conditional. I'm going to do it. If I'm going to do a job myself, you've got a job to do, do it yourself. And God said, I'm doing this myself. It's a unilateral covenant. And, uh, and circumcision was the, the cutting, the cutting of that covenant, the blood that was shed on that covenant. You'll see that in different covenants. Uh, we could spend multiple messages on the covenant, but not today. And when was, when was Abraham? It was, he, he lived about 2000 BC, 4,000 years ago. If you got on the timeline highway and started going back, you'd go back to Jesus, take a hard right, but you're only halfway there. So it's a long time ago. It's as far away from Jesus as we are with Jesus in the middle. And, and so I was asking myself, did this come true? Have, ha, was Israel blessed? Or were those who blessed Abraham, were they blessed? Were those who cursed Abraham cursed? And I would make a case that four years later, that covenant, that covenant that had no time frame, that covenant that had no condition, 
It was based on the faithfulness of God, and God is a faithful God. So you should see it. And and if you look at our nation, America, and look at the Jewish people, they represent 2% of the population of our nation. And yet, they are in the seven mountains having unbelievable influence in the mountains of entertainment, of business, of medicine, and and so many other areas. Probably every mountain touched. 2% of the population having undue influence. And Abraham's covenant, I'm going to bless you if you bless me. Bless Israel and I'll bless you. And uh, if you look at the Fortune 400, the richest 400 people in our nation, all of them billionaires, 25% are Jewish with 2% of the population. I'd make a case even that our nation, who has blessed Israel, who's partnered with Israel, uh, and even our president right now has been a great friend to Israel, and even today our nation has been blessed beyond any nation on the planet, in my opinion, in part because of this covenant. Is it relevant? I think it's very, very relevant. And in that covenant, it says there's an honor piece. It's the first place where we say, honor your fathers. Later on, we see Moses with the Ten Commandments, but this is the first hint, like honor Abraham, bless him, and I'll bless you. Curse him, and you'll be cursed. And so there's a call to honor him. Now, what does that mean to us 4,000 years later? If you look in Romans 11, it talks about us being able to be grafted in. Romans 11:17, that we as Gentiles can be grafted in to this olive tree that was that blessing of Abraham. It talks about some of the branches have been broken off, which is to imply uh, the Jewish people that have rejected the Messiah, Jesus, are branches that have broken off. But in Romans 11, it says, be humble, don't get arrogant. I can plug them back in. Believe me, that's my heart. Uh, Other branches can be broken off. Be humble. I can, uh, it's my heart to regraft them in, just as I grafted you in. He calls, the, he calls us, me and you, who are Gentiles, being grafted in the wild olive branch. He's the, they are the cultivated uh, branch. And so by faith, you get to get grafted in. And you get a membership card. I got this uh, Kingdom Express card. And it's got a new name, Revelation 2. It says, when I came to Jesus... He took a white stone and he created a brand new name. You've got a name unlike any other written. Uh, Membership has its... I've been a member since 1974. I've got a new name. I've got an access code. I've been grafted in by faith into the seed with Abraham. And it says that Abraham, he was credited, his belief credited him into righteousness. Romans chapter 4, that by faith and by belief, it was, he was, his belief caused him to be 
righteous. And it's the same with you and me, that as we believe in Jesus, our faith credits us to righteousness. He takes, he forgets our sins, and he and he allows our sins to be forgiven. It's, I almost think of it as uh, this robe. I used to have this diving white robe. And we would, uh, in between dives, it was so cold in Colorado, we'd just throw on a robe. And uh, I just think of that robe covering me in the righteousness of Christ, not my righteousness. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. But he took my sins away. And he gave his life for us. The message of the gospel is everywhere. And finally, in uh, Hebrews 11, if you grew up in the church, you know that Hebrews 11 is a, a uh, kind of the, the hall of fame of faith, the triumphant, the triumph of the faithful ones. And you know who dominates that chapter is is one called Abraham and his wife, Sarah. You know, they, uh, they had some spectacular sins along the way. You, um, I almost, I, I, I get a check in my spirit when I start talking about any of their shortcomings because if the Lord forgot them and doesn't mention them, I, I think uh, maybe I should be careful around them too. But he, um, as you know, uh, he was a, a rich man, the wealthiest on the planet, and she was a beautiful woman. It reminds me of that song, I think Gershwin wrote it, Ella Fitzgerald made it famous, Summertime. Summertime and the living is easy. Fish are jumping and the cotton is high. Oh, your daddy's rich and your mama's good looking. So hush, little baby, don't you cry. Well, he was the richest man on the planet, and she was really good looking because his, he wasn't afraid they were going to kill him and take his money. When he'd run into a king, he was worried that the king would kill him and take his beautiful bride and so he came up with an awful scheme to pretend that she was a sister. And uh, in a horrible way, he, he pimped his wife out and to save his skin. And it uh, wasn't his finest hour. But you fast forward to Hebrews 11. And you find some of the heroes of the faith. My big three in the Old Covenant, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, my big three are Abraham and Moses and David all three had spectacular sins. But when we get to Hebrews 11, he talks, God brags on Abraham. And even Sarah, who, who, who mocked God when she said, you're going to have a son. She said, I'm, I'm old. And she laughed. And uh, God challenged her on it. And, and she, she said, I didn't laugh. He said, yeah, you did. And they named their son Isaac which is rooted in the word laughter. But when you get to Hebrews 11, he's bragging on the faith of Sarah. And he's bragging on Abraham who left a country not knowing where he was going to go. And that faith to do that was credited to him as righteousness. And Sarah, you talk, hey, look at my wife, this young woman, Sarah. 
a woman of faith. And so he rewrites our history. Aren't you glad that God rewrote their history? And I have a feeling that it's the same with you. As you're cloaked in the robes of righteousness of, because of your faith in Jesus, your worst days and my worst days have been blotted out. And God sees you in your best days, your best days of faith. That's the God we serve. That's the good God. That's the God who said, boy, it didn't work quite out right with Adam. I'm going to reset with this man, Abraham, and I'm going to bless the nations. I'm going to bless the people through him. This is how we build for generations. And I would, I would also say that in this day in our nation where there's a challenge to the fathers in our nation, and there's a challenge to those who birthed our nation, let's look at how the kingdom and how God looks at our forefathers. He erased and he looked past their failings and he accentuated the strengths and he said, if you'll bless them, I'll bless you. If you'll curse them, I, curse, I would curse you. And I would say, let us not get our thought processes from the ways of the world or a political party on either side. Let get, let's get the way we think about things from his word and from his kingdom. And I say, I'm going to bless the fathers in my life. I've noticed when I bless the fathers in my life, good things happen. There was a story that maybe 10, 15 years ago, I felt the Lord just whisper in my ear and he said, he was talking about this gentleman, Bill Goodwin, and he was talking about one of my pastors. He said, how's your relationship? I said, good. He said, why don't you make it great? And uh, long story short, I just purposed in my heart. I went to my pastor and started to thank him for the opportunities. I started to thank him for all the good things. And uh, I just, in my heart, began to just honor Bill Goodwin. And my, my business accelerated and, and some wonderful things happened around my relationship with my pastor. As we honor, there's a flow. What happens, there's a flow. We honor builds a highway. And on that highway, grace and blessing flow down. And if I don't honor, I miss out. And so there's a, there's a message of how we build kingdom. And I want to end with a story that um, is super precious to me. It talks about how we build for generations and how, we are, how God does it. And um, I've told the story maybe once before, but uh, I've shared uh, when I went off to school, my uh, dad had put all his money into real estate and taken an entrepreneurial risk. And in 74, there was a, a real estate crisis very similar to the 2008 one here. And uh, we just didn't have money to go to college. And I remember going and, um, and there was a lot of pressure to make good grades early to be able to get an interview in the co-op program. And the co-op pro program allowed you to go to work for a quarter and go to school for a quarter. And, and so I felt the pressure of that. I felt the pressure of um, being a little over my head in a school where 
uh, none of the students had ever made a B in math in their life. And, and uh, they had a calculus course in the first year where the, there, the professor was famous for flunking 20% of the class. And um, I didn't have much of a background in calculus, and I was struggling. I never made a B in my life in math, and I had a D halfway through class, and I was studying uh, as hard as anybody could study. Uh, it was a grind. I was, um, other than a couple hours doing some intramurals and having dinner, I studied every minute between 7.30 and 11 every day. I was working as hard as I could. I was making a D, and I was feeling the pressure of maybe having to go home and failure or not being able to get a job. And, and I remember there was a guy in, the, in our class that... Uh, he was making an A, and he was just skipping through life, and it was so easy. And I was a young believer, and I was whining with God, like, why is he making an A, and I'm making a D, and I'm a Christian, I don't even know what he is, and well, this doesn't feel fair, God. And I, uh, I remember there was, there was no, uh, no hope that I, God was going to give me the answers, or it was suddenly going to be easier, I was going to get smarter. I just knew I had to grind through it. And, uh, you know, I, I had no, really didn't know this guy well. It was unfair to judge him. But 20 years later, I, um, I heard the, the, just the whisper of the Holy Spirit. And he said, uh, you remember that guy in your calculus class? And I, I knew it was the Lord's voice, and I, I, I knew it was him, and I was just shocked, like, I, I'd forgotten that 20 years ago. It, it wasn't that big a deal. He's like, do you remember? You remember that guy? Yeah, I do. And in my mind's eye, it was like, um, there was just an acknowledgement of, hey, you know, his parents both may have been both math teachers. They may have sacrificed their whole life. He may have just had a gift. But what he said next was, your children became that guy. And I, it just, I never had thought about it. I, it, I, I, I was kind of blown away. I, my, my four children all went to Georgia Tech and I, I I think they all made A's easily all the way through. Not that they didn't work hard, but they, they were that guy that I was complaining about. And this was how it works in the kingdom. The grind and the sacrifice. As if God was saying, you didn't know. It didn't feel spiritual to you. You were in the grind. It was painful. You were afraid. And I feel like in this COVID season, there's those that are listening right now that are in the grind, whether it's financial or emotional, whether it's their health, it's a relational, you're grinding. It doesn't feel spiritual at all. And I feel like the Lord just reminded me, like in that grind, he brought purpose to that pain. And he said, you're you know, your ceiling can be their floor. This is how it happens 
in this kingdom. God says, I'm going I'm to bless the nations through that father. Honor him and I'll bless you. And in my, in my, in my grind. And there were other things. I, I married... I married a girl who was from smarts in her DNA, and, and, um, and we sacrificed to send our kids to a school where I think uh, Daryl Comfort may have been the best math teacher on the planet. There was a combination of things, but God whispered in my ear and said, your kids became that kid. And this is how he builds for generations, where we invest in a time we don't know. We're, we've got a church that's being built before our eyes week by week. I think about Notre Dame. I think it took uh, possibly 900 years to complete Notre Dame. People were building for something their children would never see or their grandchildren would never see. And when we're investing, when we're investing in this land, I can see how people are going to be set in a place where the architecture and the setting and the land help them come close to God and feel his presence. And the mile-long track where people walk and exercise and prayer stations and a 24-7 prayer chapel that your daughters would feel safe coming in the middle of the night and finding God. There's a courtyard here where children and grandchildren will be married and friendships are born and people find community and love. This is our call. We're a, we've been grafted in to someone who says, bless the generations. I'm going to bless you and you and your family will be blessed. Amen, amen. Lord, I thank you for a generous, wonderful people, and I thank you for the inheritances that are being born out and built in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.